Welcome to the GAIN Service Academy Admission Podcast. In these episodes, we will explore all things related to gaining a coveted appointment to the Air Force Academy, Naval Academy, and West Point. And here are your hosts, Rob Kirkland and Trish Penroth. Hi, everyone. Uh, this is uh, Lieutenant Colonel Rob Kirkland uh, back at you with the uh, GAIN Service Academy Admissions Podcast. And I'm here joined with my partner in crime, uh, Captain Trish Penrod. How are you doing, Trish, today? I'm doing great, sir. How are you over <laughs> in California? Yeah, old Imperial Beach, San Diego, man. Got to love it here. Weather's, weather's great. So we're enjoying the cooling off a little bit, but it's always nice here in, uh, in this area of the country. And you? Yeah, I'm jealous. I'm. <laughs> I'm. It, Florida is still pretty hot, so I can't yeah. wait for winter. <laughs> Probably what October, November there. So, but yeah, so good. Good. So, um, so let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, chat about uh, about cadet uh, about candidate activities today. And um, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I'm so excited to talk about this topic because it's just, it's one of the the topics that people, you know, it's very mysterious. What, you know, what do the service academies hold in higher esteem versus other activities? So I cannot wait to get into this today. Yeah, we're going to dig in deep here because, you know, not all activities are not created equal. And, um, you know, and uh, I get, you know, I think, you know, when we work with candidates, we get oftentimes get, you know, questions from, <clears throat> you know, from parents and candidates about is there a magic activity or a lack of activity or, or is there something that we can do in order to improve uh, the, the candidate file based on the activity, um, you know, and so this is obviously on the minds of candidates to determine if there's something that is, is going to push a person over the top. And, um, you know, I would say that, you know, when you look at this, you know, it's 10% of the overall, um, of the overall whole candidate score. And, you know, when you kind of zoom out with this lens and, you know, we've looked, we, you, you know, you and I look at, you know, hundreds of candidates over the past you know years. And, you know, when you zoom out, it kind of, blurs a little bit. Would you agree with me? I mean, a lot of things, a lot of people I would. look the same. Yeah. I mean, and I think the admissions officers are probably feeling the same way when they're looking at applications, mm-hmm. right? The same, the same activities over and over again. So, um, and looking at that 10%, right? The, for West Point for the whole candidate score, the extracurricular activity score is 800 points. Right. And the average cadet that gets admitted, that gets appointed to West Point, the average is 530 out of 800 points. So, and, you know, and that's, you know, that's not a lot of points when you look at what it takes to get to 500 points. Right. Yeah. I mean, when you look at category four for, um, well, category four is 500 points and category three is 600 points. 500 points is holder of one or more elective offices and moderately selective organizations, participation activities or recipients of awards in moderately selective organizations, holder of a private pilot's license. Now, this is, of course, very general in nature, and this is off of the 2000 or the 2015, I believe, RAND study on, um, on West Point. Um, but you can see, I mean, that's a significant, 
you know, achievement at 500 points. And you can see that people are actually achieving slightly more than that as an average. So, um, so as we look at candidates, I mean, you know, it's, it's, there's certain things and certain activities that are going to stand out uh, with admissions that may not even be in kind of these general categories that, you know, where you reach these certain levels. But I would say that category at 500 points I just described is, you know, your average candidate, uh, you know, obviously it has achieved a lot, but, you know, there's certain things that that person has not done that won't garner them additional uh, points. And so we sort of want to talk about, you know, kind of what it is and and what is important to the service academy in order to kind of uh, work at that higher level to get more of those points. Absolutely. I think even zooming out a little bit more to beyond the athletic activity score or the um, extracurriculars, you, you know, looking at what's what's going to really move the needle. And I think it kind of zooming out a, l- a little bit more, finding out how your congressman nominates candidates. Because if you know that your congressman nominates people using the principal nomination method, yes, the activities that you're involved in matter, but doing well on that interview is extremely important because you have the potential to make it so that you're whole candidate score doesn't, I mean, doesn't play as big of a role as in some other instances. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, to know which, you know, which of those districts are in the competitive uh, process versus the uh, principal, as you mentioned. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, we can certainly help, you know, candidates um, with that if, um, you know, they reach out to us uh, for help. Absolutely. So I think getting getting back to though the conversation at hand, um, you know, we're looking at that score and what's the first thing, what's one of the first categories that uh, the admissions team's looking at? And I think that's sports. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so, you know, obviously sports has its own category uh, worth 10% and that's, you know, achievement in you know sports in or, in or out of school. So, um, you know, that's an important point. Uh, to that, but that's a whole separate category. What we're really talking about here, Trish, is you know the leadership uh, designation in sports. Meaning, meaning, were you a captain of your high school of uh, sports team? And so, uh, obviously, there's tons of sports that are uh, in um, in high school, but there are some sports that are uh, more that have more weight than others. And and what um, what sports are those you think that probably carry more weight if you're if you're the team captain of? Well, I would say uh, basketball, football, baseball, and softball. Um, but probably you know the, the the main sports that that are looked at highly. Right. And um, you know, there might be some other sports in there too, but I think those those four are probably the ones that are looked at with the most um, highest esteem from the service academies. Right. Yeah. So, you know, so that, you know, so what you're looking at here with, with this is, you know, the, and we're going to keep going back to this point again and again uh, in the, uh, in this, in this, uh, in this podcast is the being seen by your peers as a leader, 
uh, is so important because really what you're looking at with the service academies is it's almost it's peer leadership. When you enter the service academy as a as a freshman through your four years there, you're not going to be leading soldiers, you know, privates or airmen. You're going to be leading your fellow classmates at at an academy, and so. You know, that takes the ability to be able to lead your peers and be seen as by your peers as a leader. And, you know, that's that's tough. I mean, like if you're like in if you're the captain of the football team and it's in an elected position where the rest of the members of the football team elect you and designate you as their captain and leader in that organization or the, you know, or the coaches and the uh, and and your peers you're automatically uh, singled out as a leader in a very, very competitive, competitive sport. And that is looked at to a high degree by the academies as seen as a validation of leadership, the validation of you and having the respect of your peers. And so we're talking about big name sports here, you know, that have large, that are very, very competitive sports that are sports that the academy would knows in general through different, uh, you know, wherever you're playing in the country, whether it's Texas, California, New York, Ohio, Florida, that if you're the captain of that, of that team, you're likely seen as a, as a leader. And it, it, it makes it a more easy decision for the academy to designate you as a standout leader if your peers are telling the academy that you are indeed that leader. Yeah. And being able to, to qualify and, and quantify your leadership as co- as team captain or co-captain, you know, we're showing the academies, my peers elected me. I think the hardest thing that you can do is to lead your peers. It's easy to lead people who are subordinate to you, but being able to lead your peers is such a challenge. Like you, like you mentioned. So, you know, if, if there's, 15 people or 20 people on your team that were eligible for captain and you got chosen, you know, tell the admissions panel that tell, make sure that you're writing that down in, in your application when, when you have the opportunity to do so. Right. There's the comment boxes and, you know, whether or not it's 250 characters or a thousand characters, you have that opportunity to quantify, to tell the board that, you know, that the people looking at your application that, Hey, you know, exactly what you did. You quantified it. You said, you know, that this is a significant achievement uh, that I did and that I was singled out by my peers. Um, You know, I think that that's really, really important because, I mean, there's a people, you know, that apply to the service academies that, um, you know, that have a lot of achievements and it, it looks good on paper. But the academy, you know, look at these applications with people who have a lot of different achievements that where they're not clearly peer elected or ones where you're competing against other peers and they even know there may be a great record there there's a little bit of skepticism that uh that uh i think the admissions looks at in this case and that you know this person may be a high achiever but you know but they may not be respected by their peers or they 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 or someone else may be pushing the agenda, such as a parent, rather than you know someone who's standing up on their own two feet, and and the peers are making the decision on whether or not the person's a leader or not. Definitely, definitely, and being able even able to spell out who who chose you as team captain, you know, was it peer elected or or what did your coaches choose? 
Right, exactly. So again, captaincy is important. The sport you have isn't the sport that you have is important uh, that you're the captain of, and quantifying uh, it for the academy and, and and talking about this because you know there's some captaincies where you know every single position area on the football team has a captain. Uh, so, you know, sometimes these captaincies are watered down. So if you're in a situation where, you know, you were clearly the person that was designated as a captain, you need to let the admissions committee know that and, um, and you know, make sure that they're uh, aware. So, um, so I'd say the first thing is sports uh, and captaincy. The next one, the next category we want to take a look at, and I'll let you take this, uh, Trish, is um, achievement positions outside of sports. In other words, in school and out of school. I'm sorry, let me back up here. Peer elected. So the next category is not just a regular achievement position, but the next category is peer elected activities. And what do we mean by that? Yeah, peer, peer elected activities, very similar, you know, to activities just like sports where you're elected team captain. The academies are looking for the same exact thing. They, they want to know that you can lead your peers. So if you have an example of, I think, the most significant one to, to discuss first is student body president, class president, right? That What oh, yeah. a huge achievement that is for, from, from a high school perspective. Yeah, particularly Which, if you go to a big high school. I mean, if you're going to a big high school and you're the student body president, I mean, my feeling about that is that uh, if you are a student body president or, and I might throw in student council president in that, and you go to a, a big high school, uh, if you're strong academically, if you're, you know, a solid academic, then I believe the academies are seriously going to consider spending one of their discretionary um, uh, appointments on you. Because if you look at the percentage of um candidates that are um, student body presidents is 20% of the, uh, for, for West Point, for the class of 2021, it was 20% of the student body presidents. And I can tell you, not every one of those student body presidents were the top person in their congressional district or in the top 150. So that indicates to me, uh, particularly with that position, that uh, if you pop on as a student body president or student council president, uh, the academies are going to look at you really closely for, you know, for admission. Yeah. They, and they might go out of their way to offer you an admission through a different method, which is what you just explained. Yeah. The but pointy, yeah. looking, you know, looking at the way, let's just take a look at the Naval Academy, for instance, you know, so for the non-athletics piece, there's different categories that you can choose for all of your, your activities, school clubs, school organizations, you know, student government and politics. And under each of those categories, there's the opportunity to choose different options, right? It's, it's not self input. This is a, you're limited to one of these choices. You could be president or chairperson. You could be a secretary, a treasurer, a vice president, or a member Right. And if, you know, that's what they want to see is they want to see that you weren't just a member, that you didn't just participate, but that you went in and you took a leadership role and that you're explaining the impact and the so what of what you did in that organization, whether it be a club, an organization, 
um, or student government. You know, even if you're vice president of your class, okay, so what did you do as vice president? Can you explain that both in your interview and then also on your application, right? Explaining the so what. Right. And then were you elected to that position? Uh, you know, were you seen by your peers as a leader, not, you know, elected to that position, but then also exactly what you're saying, Trish, is, is you know, what sort of duties and responsibilities did you have in that position? And was it a significant, um, you know, thing that you did in those positions? So, you know, I think of things when I think of elected peer activities, I think of, you know, student count, you know, student body president or vice president, a significant position on student council, president of National Honor Society, where you're elected by your peers who are in the National Honor Society to an elected position in the National Honor Society. Um, another one that jumps out is boy state or girl state, not just a delegate, but a person who was to an, elected by their peers to a position. Now, boy state and girl state is heavily weighted by, by the academies and you know, I think there's a question about you know how competitive that process truly is to become a delegate, but uh, you know it, it you are looked at and it is uh, you know a competitive process of being selected. But I think there's even more power to that if you're elected by your peers at the actual um, boy state and girl state uh, activity that you go to that you've been seen by your peers as a leader uh, in the actual uh, assembly for boy state or girl state. Yeah, what a huge difference between just showing up and and actually, you know, taking a, taking a role on there. Yeah. So, like, so um, maybe there's some things that you do that. So, you know, kind of shifting away from the uh, peer elected activities, and and you should always, if if anything that you've done where you've been elected by your peers, you you should show that because that's a vote that your peers are giving you to say that you're the leader. So for example, there may be, you know, things like yearbook president or yearbook publication or things like that, that where you may have been elected. And if that's the case, then you should certainly, um, you know, talk about that and show that in your comment section of your, uh, of your application. But, you know, there's a lot of things where you're measured on achievement in non-peer elected activity. So I would say that's one, in my mind, one notch below uh, the peer elected. I think, I think we have to separate the peer elected from just this person that goes through, say, you know, scouting and, and achieves Eagle Scout. You can, you know, go through scouting and achieve Eagle Scout, many would argue, you know, and you might not be seen by your peers as a leader, even though, but you did a lot of achievements to get to that particular point. Um, you know, for oh, your, yeah, for your publications, for you. yeah, for your book or publications, you, you know, you just simply were, you simply showed up for four years and you were the only person who, you know, was working on it or very few people. And so you were made de facto, you know, editor of the student newspaper, even though there was really no competition. So, so yeah, Trish, what'd you, what'd you want to say about that? Um, I, I mean, kind of going back to Boy Scouts, yeah. you, you can achieve Eagle Scout just through work and without really demonstrating tons of leadership. But what about for senior patrol leader, you know, if you're that highest youth position? Right. Yeah, I think that, you know, certainly, you know, can you're, you're, you know, probably elected by your senior scout leaders in that position. So, yeah, I think there's, you know, arguments to be made that there is 
this kind of, you know, demonstrated peer leadership, you know, in scouting and, and in as senior patrol leader that, you know, would show. But I mean, certainly if, um, if you, you know, are in a position where you were elected by your peers in scouting, you know, to a certain position, I think you certainly need to put that in your comment section of the box. Really great way of framing everything. You know, if you think about every activity that you've had and, or, or perhaps you're planning, you know, you're a freshman or a sophomore in high school and you're kind of planning, what do I want to do the next few years? These are really good considerations to, to, to utilize as you decide what you want to get involved in and, and why, and, uh, the, the impact that you want to make as a peer elected official. Right. Yeah. So if you're like having to choose between two uh, activities and one of them is, you know, a peer elected activity at school, you know, such as running for student body president or student council president versus, say, some other activity, you may want to, you know, if it's all things are equal, you may want to shade towards, you know, ones that, you know, show that your peers have elected you, um, you know, if, if you have those kind of options. Now, you know, a number of candidates want nothing to do with, you know, any peer elected activities because their peers don't see them as a leader. So, you know, so, you know, they stay, they shy away from those um, activities. And believe me, it will, it will jump out to the academy. I mean, you can shift through things pretty quickly and see, you know, who the candidates are, whose peers respect them. You know, if you go through some of these activities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. By know. just looking at their, at the, the positions that they're holding and how they got there. Yeah. Right. You know, like head of the uh, stamp club, president of the stamp club. You know, I'm not saying that's, that's not a, uh, you know, an important position and one, you know, where you're learning more about stamps. But, you know, the question is, is, you know, how many people are actually, you know, the peers are actually, you know, electing somebody and are concerned about the stamp club at school. I mean, I think, you know, we're all proud of our, you know, child that has, you know, a certain position and things like that, but, but it can be seen. I, it's pretty quick where you can go through these things and, and the, the, the peer leaders jump out at you, you know, they jump out at you pretty in, in some ways. And we're going to talk about a couple other categories here that I think that are important um, and, you know, but I think at least from what I see, you know, that, that, you know, the, the peer leaders jump out at you pretty quickly when you look at these things. Do you, do you think that any thought goes into the activities in terms of say, for instance, that, uh, I'm a female applicant and I really am interested in aviation. So so pursuing, you know, even if I'm in the local women in aviation chapter, you know, even if I'm just a member in that, does that, does that give me any points because, you know, you know I'm pursuing something that I'm interested in and, and I'm thinking ahead and thinking through what I want to do? Yeah, I think so. I mean, if you take a look at, you know, West, West Point, they, you know, give points to holders of a private pilot's license. You know, if you've got, you know, a private pilot's license or a you know, instrument rating, you know, or even higher than instrument rating, uh, you know, which probably would be unlikely for somebody who's, um, you know, who's a senior in high school, you know, I would think that the Air Force Academy would weigh that, you know, would weigh that heavier. Sure, sure. You know, if you have something like that, because it shows propensity to, you know, do military type things. So I guess that, 
is not a bad segue to this kind of next section, which would be military propensity uh, piece of this. And, you know, you and I have talked about this in the past, but, you know, I consider, you know, private pilot's license uh, as a military propensity piece. I think we can log that under that piece, but it's whatever you're doing that shows your propensity for military service or, or, or gaining, you know, first of all, gaining or gaining, you know, a specific skill set that's going to be directly applicable to, you know, to your carrying out of military duties. And so the things, the organizations that, you know, we look at are Civil Air Patrol, which is on auxiliary of the Air Force, Sea Cadets, Young Marines, Junior ROTC, where you wear a uniform and you learn uh, 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 cust- military customs and courtesies, you develop your leadership, you, uh, you know, you uh, oftentimes are exposed to military officers and understand the military culture. And I see this as being, um, you know, a something certainly that the academies, um, you know, look at uh, and, you know, particularly when they look at the achievements uh, in these organizations, such as, for example, with Civil Air Patrol, getting your Mitchell or um, Earhart Award or higher, JROTC or the commander of your JROTC unit at your school, whether that's Navy, Air Force, or uh, or Army, and you know to and and you know achievement in those other activities such as Sea Cadets or Young Marines, uh, and all of these organ JROTC may not be in your high school, but you can certainly can participate in things like Civil Air Patrol. Uh, or those other organizations I, I mentioned, because there's usually chapters around where you live. Yeah, and looking, researching the different chapters too, I always recommend there there might be two or three nearby. Go check out multiple and, and find the one that you, you think is going to be the best fit for you. Right, exactly. And so not all of them are created equal. Uh, some of, you know, they're all run by sort of adult leaders, uh, and some of them are better than others. Uh, also, there might be a different vibe or culture with the cadets that are there also. So you may, so you're definitely going to want to look at that and not necessarily commit to the first one. Just check it out, see if it, if it um, you know, is, uh, fits kind of the way that, you know, you want, you are and you want to be. And, you know, and, 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 you know, and, and enjoy it, you know, have a good, you know, and see if, see if it's a good fit. And it's also a good way to see if you might be a fit for military service because it's, you know, while it's not the military, it's, it's, it certainly has some of the characteristics of the military and can be a good kind of starting point to see if it's something that you'd like to do. I really like the idea of the summer programs that most of these types of programs have where a lot of times it's encampment uh, where where you go and you live kind of like basic training for you know a week to two weeks and you just figure out is this really for me could I see myself doing this for you know for college and then potentially right. a career beyond so it really is a, a great way to find out if if uh, service academy and officer life is is right for you yep and it also has an achievement based kind of rank structure similar to kind of eagle to a, the, the scouting uh, where you kind of get cadet ranks similar to the ranks you, you have in the military. And so that can be, you know, beneficial also as you kind of work through. So it, it allows you then to achieve um, certain, you know, uh, ranks and positions over your time in the, in these organizations. And I would say also, you know, that, um, 
you know, that we oftentimes advise uh, candidates who are in one of these organizations that wear a uniform is to wear that uniform at their congressional uh, 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 interview. Uh, so, you know, particularly if it's uh, there's a principal uh, nomination involved where the committee has to choose the top person is, you know, that can make the difference between you getting that principal nomination or you not getting that principal nomination is having uh, a sharp looking uniform and showing the committee that you have military propensity. Yeah, going in, what a huge advantage, huge advantage compared to someone who's not in civilian or who's not in, in military uniform. Now, that being said, you know, just, a military is not going to fix other issues that are very apparent, you, you know, uh, so you can't just rely on on wearing the uniform, but what a huge advantage. Right. I guess it would be if, you know, all things are created equal, uh, you know, that can make a difference. And so why not, you know, have a situation where you put yourself in a position where you're, uh, you know, where you're where you have that little bit of advantage over that other candidate, you know, because of that military propensity. And then, you know, the other thing that came to mind as we were talking here, Trish, is also the summer seminars, you know, uh, you know, going to the uh, Naval Academy, the West Point or the Air Force Academy seminar can also, you know, show that military propensity also. In other words, you, you're tangibly showing your interest in an academy through the, the visits to those uh, to those seminars over the summer. Definitely. And just, um, and don't forget Coast Guard too. They have one as well. Oh yeah, yeah, Coast Guard. So I don't think, you know, when you look at the academies, I, I, you know, I think, you know, they're just, it's not like they're going to penalize you if you're applying to West Point and you went to the, to the Naval Academy summer seminar. I think they see these as a, uh, as showing the military propensity and deciding to, uh, you know, to do something proactive to show your interest. And I think, you know, that's really what's most important, not necessarily that you go to the seminar that, uh, is for that particular academy. For example, you know the Air the Air Force Academy really has limited slots to their summer program, whereas Navy and uh, and West Point have a lot more slots. Uh, so I mean, yeah. you're looking at 300 for the Air Force this last year compared to one to 2,000 for Air for Navy and and West Point. So it really, you know, if if you're thinking of going to the Air Force Academy, apply for summer seminar at more than just the Air Force Academy, because chances yeah. are better right now, at least, you know, if, if things stay the same, that the Naval Academy has the most slots. Yeah. And I don't think it really makes a difference. Uh, I think they're just, you know, you're expressing that interest, you're showing that you're, you know, that you want that this is something that you want to do and that you're, you know, interested in doing. And then certainly, you know, all of these things talk about them in your essays, you know, when you're, when you're, you know, talk about your, you know, all the things that we've mentioned so far about your leadership and things. Now, you know, these essays and interviews should not be, should not be solely focused on what you've achieved. It should be, uh, you know, a, a lot of it should be future focused, but certainly, you know, bring up, you know, your, your leadership that you've done, how you've led your peers, how you're interested in the military, what you know about the military, you know, kind of things that we've talked about in previous podcasts, but, um, you know, but are, I think are important here. So, yeah, so good. So um, military propensity, Civil Air Patrol, Sea Cadets, Young Marines, Junior ROTC, going to the summer seminars, those kind of, um, 
showing of those propensities is uh, an important part. And so uh, the final one that I have, and Trish, you may have an initial, additional category that I think is oftentimes overlooked is paid work. Uh, and, you know, particularly paid work where you're full time, because some the academies are uh, interested in people that, you know, had full time paid work year round. Uh, and even part-time work, you know, where you can designate it on form. Uh, and I think it's, this is really, really important, is showing that this work and what duties and responsibilities you had at the workplace, I think is so important. Rather than just being, say, you know, I, I ran the, you know, the, the, I, you know, was the checkout person, you know, or the, at the, or the window person at McDonald's. Versus, you know, I was the assistant manager or I was, you know, had some sort of duty and responsibility in that organization. Now, remember, this was not a, an academy um, uh, applicant, but I worked with an Army ROTC applicant uh, a couple of years ago that actually ran a section of, uh, of Target store. He was actually the manager of a section of the Target store and had adults working with him who were like 30 years old. This kid was like 17 years old, 18 years old, <laughs> telling, he was telling 30 year olds what to do. And so, you know, and had significant, you know, responsibility for millions of dollars worth of merchandise. It was part of a target. It was, he did the frozen and uh, refrigerated food section of any set. What a huge leadership responsibility. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, and then, you know, the, if you have to choose between feeding the, feeding the uh, poor people in, in some place, you know, in the world or being assistant manager of a target. I mean, the leadership responsibilities there are through the roof and, and that can be sniffed out in the second. I don't want to underemphasize, you know, the responsibilities that some people have in a work environment. And, and oftentimes that can be a significantly higher leadership responsibility than, you know, than feeding the children in, in Sudan. Absolutely. That, I also not that think feeding, it's worth not that feeding people in the feeding people in the sedan is, you know, that's a good thing to do. But <laughs> yes, you know yes, what I'm saying? Of course. Yeah. I think I think it's worth uh just discussing that a lot of times in, in your job, you might not have a lot of responsibility and you probably won't when you first start. But you know, if you pick something and you stick with it and you tell your bosses and your managers that you're willing to take on more, they're probably gonna give it to you because it's pretty hard to find quality people. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just putting yourself out there and and saying, Yes, I would like more responsibility. Yes, I'd like to be promoted. Uh, and and just putting yourself into that position. The Naval Academy uh, has a question that did, it literally says, did you have a chance to obtain a supervisory role at your job? Right. So, I mean, this is exactly what they're looking for. Yep. It's that way to stand out. And it's also, it also gives them a chance to center, look at the reason why they say full-time in a lot of these applications is that they want to find that person who, for whatever reason, had to support their family in some way, shape, or form. Because, you know, if you have to take on a full-time job, uh, then, you know, you can't participate in some of these other activities, uh, you know, that maybe other candidates who don't have, who have the luxury of not having to take a job to support themselves or their or so their families. But, you know, that doesn't mean, you know, that, you know, that you can't uh, get a job just to supplement your income and things like that. Uh, you know, if you, you know, 
uh, if you're, you know, out there after school or, you know, or things like that. So, but I think, you know, again, like we mentioned earlier, it's an important, you know, to, you know, to move up in, in, in that position, but to lay out in very, very specific detail what you did during this work and what supervisor responsibilities you did. And, so if you look at a candidate like that candidate I worked with with Army ROTC that was that had managed 10 people who were all of them were high school graduates and some of them were 30 years old and you know you you were responsible for millions of dollars worth of merchandise and you get a and you get a letter or you know there's a West Point has an evaluation but other you know but your you know, maybe one of your letters or recommendations from your manager of your store. What what do you th- what kind of impact do you think that makes? I mean, that makes a huge impact on on because I mean, this is real world. This is not you know leading a club at school. This is like you know money's involved here. Yeah, that's how you know it's serious when there's money involved. involved here. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. and may- maybe you're not elected to that position, but your boss wouldn't have put in would have put you in a position like that to have that kind of responsibility unless they trusted you. So true. You know, so, you know, it's just really, you know, something significant. And and, and most of the candidates we work with, they don't have a lot of work uh, based on my experience. And I think that that's oftentimes an overlooked blind spot. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I actually, I w- worked with a, a candidate who uh, wanted to fly and he worked so that he could pay for flying lessons. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, that's, I would put that in the application. Absolutely. You know, like I, I, I have this dream of becoming a pilot in the military uh, and I wanted to take flying lessons. So I've been working that way. I can pay my, pay my way through my flight lessons through, right. through high school. What a great yeah. opportunity to show, you know, how dedicated you are to achieving your goals. Yeah, and particularly if you are in a position of responsibility doing that, you know? Yes. Um, you know, so, yeah, so there's lots of ways to kind of shape that uh, shape that uh, piece there that, you know, can, you know, be, you know, it's kind of like, as I mentioned earlier, it's like you, there's certain things you see and you don't see in these applications. Like what I see, what I don't, here's what I don't see in the vast majority of people that I work, that we work with. I don't see you know, significant responsibilities at work, at a work or a full-time paying work job. I don't see president of the student council, president of, of the class, president of National Honor Society, um, captain of the football team, captain of the basketball team, captain of the, of the I don't, we don't see that a lot. I, I mean, you know, we get, you know, we work with, you know, lots of candidates, but you don't see those that much. And, you know, it's like just that th- those things that I we I just ticked off there. You know, if we're looking for that and we see those as standing out, it, it takes only a glance at an application to to find that for uh, uh, for for your candidate. I mean, that's that's what jumps out. Yeah, what a what a distinction, right? It, to see those those things you just mentioned. And I mean, what does it take to get the top category for, for this? Well, it says um, an outstanding young person with quadruple participation in honors awards to selected extra, on selected extracurricular activity. So that would include like, um, you know, boys state, what? girls state, um, 
you know, uh, leadership position, high school class, class president, president mm -hmm. uh, editor in chief of school publication, um, president of National Honor Society, Eagle Scout. Um, so, but that's really general in nature. I mean, you know, there's a, you know, there's what Eagle Scout is 14% of the candidate class. So, I mean, it is, it is a significant achievement. Uh, you know, I don't want to, you know, downplay that, um, achievement, but it's, I don't think it's as powerful as being elected to a peer, uh, a peer achievement. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, that, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. So, so, uh, so yeah. So, you know, I've been wanting to do this podcast episode for the longest time and, and really just kind of lay out for you what, you know, what we're seeing, what I think is, you know, the things that are going to truly set you apart with, with, with this, with these activities and extracurriculars. Uh, but what I want to sort of end off with it is kind of what I went back to in the beginning is that, remember, this is only 10% of your overall, um, of your overall uh, uh, evaluation, but yet 60% is your SAT or ACT score, uh, super scored with 60% with 60 weighting being math versus 40% verbal and your rank in class and your, your meaning or your GP, really your GPA competitiveness of your school uh, and, and, uh, and the classes that you take. So, you know, so you can't also lose sight of the fact that this is only a, a this is only about ten percent of the overall selection. Yeah. So if, if you're really focused on going out and doing every single activity and being involved, you know, as much as possible, instead of studying for your SAT, ACT, you're making the wrong decision. Yeah, and I've seen this with some candidates where you just kind of you keep on harping at this point about you know your but the you know about the getting your grades to the best level that they can taking competitive courses doing you know concentrating on the SAT or ACT and you see them doing their 20th activity that's not going to really make a, not going to move the needle that much uh, overall in the uh, in your whole candidate score and so you know it's just you, you know you you got to listen to this podcast episode, but you also got to take it with a grain of salt and understand that, you know, moving that needle forward uh, is going to be, you know, it's, it's not, you know, 40% of this thing. It's only 10% of this thing. And, you know, so, and then, you know, a significant achievement like class president, uh, student council president, uh, something really, really significant is definitely going to stand out. And that may garner you an additional, uh, one of those additional appointees, uh, but, you know, again, we don't have the crystal ball about what the academy is looking for under these additional appointees. Uh, you know, you just got to do the best job that you can and and uh, get the highest whole candidate score that you can. Excellent advice. There is no crystal ball. <laughs> yeah, we do not it's sit on the admissions committee, but you, you know, can get an idea real quick, you know, after working with candidates and kind of seeing the, you know, the perspective on this, what is important, what's less important uh, to, you know, what the um, academy considers as far as activities go. Any final thoughts, uh, Trish, on this? No, I, I don't think so. I think we've covered 
all of the activities pretty, pretty in depth. So, uh, go out and, uh, be active in the community and your school, but also make sure that you're focusing on your, on your testing. Yep. Very good. Okay, Tris. Great. Then we'll, uh, we'll, uh, see you later and, uh, until the next episode. Sounds great. See you then. You've reached the end of another episode of the Gain Service Academy Admission Podcast. Connect with us at GainServiceAcademyAdmission.com. Love this episode of the podcast? Head over to iTunes, Spotify, or whatever podcast app you listen to to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Thank you.